to the Pursuit of Relentless podcast. I am so grateful today to be talking to Mr. Tony Watley. He wrote a book called The Side Hustle Millionaire, became a number one bestseller on Amazon, absolutely blew it up. And it's not based on a fiction, it's based on his real life. And it's really cool to sit back and talk to him and just go over how he grew his businesses and the fact that he came from a corporate background for 25 years and just focused on growing his side businesses to create multiple millions of dollars worth of income. And he still owns a couple businesses right now, which he loves, but 365 Driven is his podcast and consulting brand where he builds most of his companies and teaches people how to run their own businesses and sell their businesses and scale and all of that good stuff. So I am so grateful today to be introduced to Mr. Tony Watley finally in person. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Elena, thank you for inviting me. It's going to have, a, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're definitely yeah. going to have a lot of fun. I agree. So Tony, tell us a little bit about your background. You said you were in a corporate world for 25 years. That's right. Oil and gas engineering project management. I put myself through college, took me seven years. I was working full time, usually two jobs to do that. And then I worked in the offshore construction industry for the last 20 of those careers. And I ended up working for a major operator at Chevron staff there and getting paid multiple six figures and doing very well. But, you know, it was never my passion. It was something I was good at. I was very highly paid at. But it was never something I was really in love with. I love the people I work with. I love teamwork. I love the technology. But there was also a lot of bureaucracy and red tape and approvals and rules and have to be here and on call 24-7. A lot of things that were just negative also when it comes to a job that gets, you know, the higher you get paid, the more responsibilities you have, the more stress and anxiety they tend to throw on your plate. So my real passion has always been cars and teaching. So I started my first business in 2001, ls1tech.com. It was an online performance car community. It grew into the largest of its kind on the internet, grew to over 300,000 registered members, and ended up selling that about seven years after I started it for multiple seven-figure exit. So that's where the side hustle millionaire stuff comes from. But even since then, I've started other businesses that have also earned millions over time. But, you know, these are all little part-time businesses. I love online businesses because they don't require my presence. They don't require my location or a time factor involved. Yeah, that's really cool. Get paid while you're sleeping, get paid while you're on vacation, get paid while you're talking to Elena on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. (laughs) So what has been the biggest transition for you? Like you just made a choice, hey, I don't want to do this anymore or... I think I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. Even as a child, I was the one that was flipping candy. I mean, you hear Gary Vee talk about that and it kind of makes me laugh because I was doing the same thing. But for me, it was Jolly Ranchers and Blow Pops and Wacky Packages. We had these collector cards back then. I would walk, you know, a mile down to the corner store and I'd buy the box of those. And after I bought a few boxes of those, kind of the guy was working, it was actually pretty cool because he was an owner. It was a stop and go. But we don't have those around here anymore. But he knew what I was doing because I, I wasn't like a fat kid and I was buying all this candy. He's like, are you reselling this? I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'll give you a better price. So he actually was cool about it and he gave me a better price if I bought the whole box. So I would take that to school and put it in Ziploc bags, like almost like a crack dealer for candy. <laughs> I knew that most people would trade their lunch money for candy because their parents weren't giving it to them at school. So that led to mowing yards, washing cars, doing whatever I could to make money because I didn't have money growing up. So I was always taught by my parents that if I wanted to get something, I had to go out there and make it happen, figure it out. And they always supported that. So even that led into adulthood is like, okay, I'm not on this race to six figure income. That was like what, what we all thought was gonna be rich. If you can make $100,000 a year, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people still think that way. And this was 30 years ago, I thought this way. So I made that with the engineering degree because I figured that was going to be a a path of 
somewhat resistance, tough school, struggled to get through school. It was really hard, but you know, it was a path to get there and it kind of aligned with my passion of cars, you know, mechanical engineering cars. I was going to learn all about systems of cars, but businesses just became a replacement for part-time jobs, Lena, because while I was working school, I was working through two or three jobs at a time. And even after I graduated college, I still waited tables in the evenings and worked on weekends because I was just honest with myself. I just, I did not have the lifestyle that I wanted yet. And the only way I knew how to get that was by earning more money. So that was me trading hours for dollars. The employee mindset got kind of stuck in that trap for the first two decades of my life. And then I started to realize like online businesses, like I didn't get on the internet till 1996. Then I started looking around, I was like, I think you can make money doing this. Like there's gotta be a way to make money doing this. Like the entire world can be your customer base instead of your zip code, your town. Exactly. So I started thinking about it. Like, how do I make money like online? And I, and I started selling widgets and handmade little things and just trading things and buying things at stores at discount price and selling them somewhere else for a little bit more. So that started to gain my interest a little bit more around 98. And I started thinking about how can I do this more instead of working at the restaurants or, or picking up part-time jobs or turning wrenches on cars. So around that time is when I started to think about how I can make money online. Yeah. My first sales job was selling garden gate spices at like seven years old for cash. (laughs) Well, well, I wanted to pay to go to camp and my mom was like, you have to go earn it. And I was like, okay, because again, we were not wealthy as children. My mom was a single mom of four kids and she's sitting there going, if you want to go to camp, you got to pay for it. So we had a friend who owned this spices company and we would go door to door selling garden gate spices. And when you're seven or eight years old and you're like, please buy my spices. They're like, sure, <laughs> right. Uh, turns out they're really amazing spices. Huh. And I got to put myself through multiple camps and stuff like that, like summer programs and stuff because we didn't have a ton of money. And it was literally like, she taught us how to work our butts off. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've done so well in business is I'm not afraid of hard work. Right. When I was 17, I got into the professional baking program. They tell us, go to school, get your grades, you know, go do all this stuff. Oh, yeah. 65, the bullshit story that they tell us. So I went to school to be a pastry chef and fully sponsored, thankfully. So in grade 12, I went and I did the professional baking program, which is a 10 month program. I worked full time at Tim Hortons had to catch the bus to work because I didn't have money to buy a vehicle. So I worked seven days a week. Uh, They gave me a day off every 24 days because I had to, but it was literally like every single day of my life. I just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and got myself further and further and further into debt. Right. I was at a place where I could not afford my lifestyle. I thought $7,000 in debt was the end of my life. And then I moved to Fort McMurray, Alberta to be in oil and gas. Uh, during the massive oil boom in 2013, I capitalized on the industrial sales world, um, because obviously pastry does not pay well. And when that's your passion and then you start scooping a thousand cookies a day, you really lose passion for it very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah totally. Totally. There's, a, I know a lot of mechanics out there that hate working on working on their own cars. They got into it because they love it, and they may have a race car themselves that just sit there collecting dust and they use it as a shelf in their garage. Exactly. So I took it as like, okay, I got to figure out something that I actually like to do, and then went into 
um, heavy equipment operating, ran oil sands for a while and hated it, like hated it. So I decided to quit my job, go full time with my business because I love helping people. And I was like, well, my spouse has an income that's going to support both of our lifestyles. And he's like, Elena, go build our company. And I was like, okay, so that's where I'm at now. And then I joined Arate and Arate has taught me that doing the right thing every single time is the way to build a company. It is the way to build a brand. It's the way to live your life in general. And if you live your life in service of other people, you're going to be more happy. You're going to be more successful, all of those things. So it's really changed the trajectory of where I thought I was going to go. That's important to listen to listeners there that you understood that the changes in your lifestyle, your mindset, your habits is what creates the outcome. And also that you also touched on the fulfillment that comes from helping other people. And I'll tell you, I chased dollars, my twenties and thirties. That's where I made my millions of dollars. And I've always been a happy person. I've always been an optimist. I've always been a teacher. I've always been a mentor. Even as a kid, I was teaching people how to do BMX and skateboard tricks. I was just always teaching people, but I also knew that Teachers don't, unfortunately, get paid very well, especially in the United States. It's like I didn't want to have a four-year degree and get paid $40,000 a year for the rest of my life. I was like, it's just not going to work for me. So I've always been a teacher. I've always been a mentor. Even in corporate levels, when I step into it, I was always volunteering for those leadership and mentorship roles, even though they didn't like need it or asked. I would just take people under my wings and train them up. So thing is, it's full circle now with 365 Driven. The last two years, I really started to come out and start to make videos and help people and write the book. This is going back to my teaching inner core, even though, you know, it's like, like the fulfillment. I knew that I was never going to get that just by chasing money. Like you can go make money. If you're listening to this, you think money's going to solve your misery or depression or your negative pessimistic attitude. Nope. Sorry. Spoiler alert. You're just going to be a negative pessimistic person with money. I know plenty of those guys. I know some of those people. I got rid of them out of my life, but I know plenty of people that we, we would consider wealthy who are just miserable. They're lonely. They're depressed. They're pessimistic. They're just negative with everything in life. They complain a lot. And that's never been me, but the money wasn't the reason that I became who I am. Right. Well, they say money magnifies, right? Oh, if yeah. You're a good person, you're going to do well with money. You're going to give back. You're going to create massive impact if you're a bad person and not necessarily a bad person, but... If you're someone who's more focused on making money in whatever way possible, maybe you're going to bend the rules a little bit. Like you're not going to do things ethically or you're not going to practice integrity. And then you're going to lose everything because you were chasing the money for so long, uh, regardless of what the lifestyle was. Yeah. And when you start sacrificing all your relationships and your personal health to go make more money, it kind of it becomes this glaringly obvious thing. It's like the, the literal elephant in the room when, you know, someone that's really let themselves go, but they're financially successful and they struggle with it and they don't know how to get out of that. But the thing is, they focus on the thing that they're good at instead of working on the things they should be helping themselves with. That's 365, though, like you're saying, being well-rounded, being able to uh, execute at the highest level. You can't do that if you're not focused on being healthy or fit or like it's not about having a six pack. No. But it's about keeping yourself in a good mindset. And people don't understand how bad food and lack of exercise affects their mindset. And people. And people. <laughs> in the oil sands, that's what it was. Oh, gosh, man. It was so negative because I was negative and I was having a hard time and I gained a ton of weight and I wasn't exercising. Yeah. I mean, I do 10 minutes on my breaks worth of push-ups and squats because I couldn't stay awake. Yeah. Literally. 
And then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? I have these people driving towards me, like nearly falling asleep. And I'm sitting there going, why is money my driving factor? Like, why am I allowing these people to buy my time when I'm literally scared for my life every single day? No, thank you. <laughs> like, rough. It's rough. And I'll tell you, the oil field, there's, there's a lot of good personalities, a lot of good people out there, but there's also a lot of people who think they're a victim of circumstance and they just complain about their situations nonstop, but they don't realize that it was their own decisions that they made years ago that put them in that situation in the first place. Like, I'll tell you, like on the offshore, like there's some offshore construction managers and, and vessel captains, and these guys get paid pretty well. They're usually around 250, 300,000 a year, these guys, and they're the most broke people making multiple six figures you'll ever meet because they've got four wives and like eight kids. And then they're just having to pay all this child support and they don't know why they don't have any money. It's like, dude, because of your life choices, man. Yeah. Because your life choices. Every time you hit the beach, you go get drunk and, and go hang out at a strip club. Like what do you think is going to happen? It's because they're bored. They have no. Right. That's right. That's right. Literally. They're just going through the motions. It's every single day. It's the same damn thing. Yep. A to B, A to B. And I was like, why am I doing this? I feel like I'm rotting my brain. That's good, man. If you're not being creative or, or doing something to pro- being productive, if you're not being productive or creative as a human, that's when your soul just starts to wither away and die. If you get in that routine of life and everything's the same thing, and you're literally, literally living through Groundhog Day, then guess what? You're going to be dying inside and you're going to start to fall into that pit. And you're going to start to wonder what your purpose is. And you're going to start to think about why are you not doing more? Right. Well, even like you look at my spouse and he is very, very happy as a corporate man, mm-hmm. but he's at a point in his career that he's just, he's like at the top and just everybody loves him. And he knows he's going to go into leadership one day and he's going to be really successful in that. And he loves it. But I sit back and I go, where can that take you? Like, what kind of impact can you make? Oh, well, I'm literally changing the world is what he says. And I'm like, that's cool. So he has a different mindset towards it where he's not thinking he's pushing dirt. He's literally like, I am changing the world. And I'm like, oh, I love that because it's fulfilling to him because he's doing what he loves. You know, whereas for me, it was very different. I did not love it. So I'll I'll tell you, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous cliff to walk on that you described for him, because I I love that to hear that people are fulfilled and happy at work. I love that. It's a, it's a rarity. I would say the, definitely the minority of people feel that way. Most people just kind of go through the motions, but he also needs to realize that that happiness and that fulfillment is temporary because he's really one decision away from changing and it's not going to be his decision. It's going to be that new boss that he has to report to, or it's going to be that policy change, or it's going to be that industry downturn, which makes everybody start to have to play uh, musical chairs and get up from their desk and maybe not get replaced. So understand that I've had that situation. I've had jobs where I absolutely love the places I work for, the people I work for. And then I've had the ones that I could not stand working for, even though they were highly paid, highly prestigious companies where I could not stand getting out of bed and putting my foot on the floor in the morning. These were all different choices and they were, there was always this one decision away. And so, you know, three years ago, I decided that I'm tired of my livelihood being somebody else's decision and that I was going to start making decisions on my own. And that's when I started to do this full time. Yeah. So how do you find your life different now that you've got the podcast and the consulting business? I think I always try to leave by example. I would say that 
most people that I meet that I've known for 20 plus years, they see what I'm doing. They're kind of surprised because I've always been an introvert. And as much as I like to get on stage and light up a microphone, I still am an introvert. But that doesn't mean I'm not social. Introverts just mean we gain power on solitude. We don't need a lot of people to gain our energy. That's that's sort of the fallacy is most people think they're an introvert, so they can be shy and they're going to hide from the stage. They're going to hide from the... No, you'll find that... Most of Hollywood, most of the people willing to put themselves out there are actually introverts. It's just where our source of energy comes from. For me, it's by myself. I'm, I'm perfectly fine by myself. I can entertain by myself. I can sit in solitude and work on things for hours on end without being distracted. So the thing about that is people see what I'm doing and they go, wow, you know, just, you just basically reinvented yourself. But I always remind them that about every five, six years, I had this tendency of doing that anyway. So I went from being a waiter to an engineer, to an engineer, to a business owner, a business owner to this, and became a millionaire. It's like, I'm always reinventing myself because I feel like that's how I'm growing. Like, how can I improve myself? How can I expand my mind, my portfolio, my experience, and do more things to impact the world? So as I start to age, I'm 47 now for context. I started to think about how I can impact more people and, and how to get my message out there. So I realized that I had a lot of valuable experience and the only people that were benefiting from that were my inner core of friends. Like, so the, the 10 people that would hang, hang around with me would get to benefit from my experience and my advice. And they built some seven and eight figure companies for themselves. And they're always giving me good feedbacks. But the thing that was holding me back was that this, I had this corporate job that was paying me well and paid for my own degree. And I got 20 years of experience. It's a prestigious company. It's a bunch of bullshit, by the way. <laughs> All bullshit. Because that's the stuff that you tell yourself to justify why you're in the situation that you're in. It's not what you want. The problem with most people is they're not willing to sacrifice that good life to go get a great life. They like good. They, they would rather settle for the thing that they have and they know and they understand rather than have that fear of the unknown and going into the closed door and figuring out what's behind that door. So the thing is, is I, I basically got sick of that. I got to a point where like, you know what, I'm going to go fight the unknown. I'm going to go chase the unknown. I'm going to go do things that are not comfortable. So is that I got this information to share people, but I can't do this one at a time. I can't have a conversation with one person at a time and sharing this information. So I need to write this book that's been in my head. So I wrote Side Hustle Millionaire, sold over a thousand copies the first week and just really did well. But that's a testament of the marketing as well. Anytime that you're going to write a book, there's a lot of people that want to write a book. I love, I love books. I love writing. I used to do it for magazines. I knew that it, marketing is actually more important than the, the author, the author side of things. If you want to go be a speaker, if you want to go be a podcaster, if you want to go be an author, you want to be a business owner, guess what? You got to be a marketer first. Out of all those invest in learning how to market and communicate effectively. And that's going to so much more amplify your results. Most people enter a business or they think they can write. Well, they think that the talent on the technical level is going to, you know, guarantee their, their expertise and their success. This doesn't happen that way. You have to be a marketer first. And then when you learn that, guess what? You can market anything. The same principles apply to any product, any service, learn how to market and sell. That's going to greatly benefit anybody that's listening to this. Exactly. Well, you look at the fact that you're building your personal brand mm -hmm. and now people know who you are. You went from just being in the art accelerator to being in the syndicate. You're surrounding yourself with multiple, multiple seven, eight, nine figure earners. And those are the kind of associations that you have now. And you look at those people and you're like, Hey, what am I doing differently than these people that is going to help me get to this level of consciousness, this level of success and everyone's success is different, right? When we were children, success was getting straight A's 
or, you know, whereas today it's like success is typically monetary and it's typically um, very shallow. But for me, my success is how many people around me are being impacted, how big of an impact am I able to make? So I utilize things like social media. That's why I started the podcast. I'm in the pursuit of relentless and I'm just sitting here going every single day of my life, I'm either going to pass or fail. Right. Mm -hmm. Andy Frisella talks about uh, his power list and how you either win the day or lose the day. Now, if you're winning more days than you're losing, you're on the right track, right? But sometimes all you're trying to do is stack your wins so that if you can stack your wins, you're eventually going to be at the level that you want to be at. So if you know where you're going and you have that trajectory, you've got that awareness of, okay, now I understand how these things are affecting me. If I don't meditate, if I don't go to yoga, if I don't take care of my body, if I don't eat healthy, my mindset goes to shit. I'm not feeling good about myself. I'm seeing the people around me suffer. They're going into depression mode. And I'm like, what is happening? And then I check myself and I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I get it. I'm in a bad mood. They're feeding off my energy. And Mm -hmm. if my energy is not up and I'm not giving it to them or helping them, then they're suffering, right? Like our energy is so powerful and most people just don't understand that. Yeah, we get to set that. So one of the things I think about is every time you walk through a door, how are you going to present your energy in that room? Mm-hmm. Energy is the unexplained communication that most people don't realize. I mean, we always think about 80% of our communication is nonverbal. 20% just comes from the words we say. But the thing is, is there's also the energy component that most people don't even understand or talk about, but is scientifically shown that there's some kind of an energy force that, you know, reaches out about six feet from your proximity. And the thing is, is animals are really good at picking up this energy, but humans are not for whatever reason. I think it's because humans developed laws like we couldn't murder each other, even though some people don't follow those laws. But the thing is, laws have protected us from the hierarchy of nature. You know, you step out in the woods and you're lower on the food chain. Animals not going to worry about your laws. They're going to eat you. Right. So think about that. It's like, you know, the best example I always talk about, you know, it's funny because I'm actually having a party this evening for a group. But when you're at a party and they have a family pet, usually a dog or a cat, right? And, and you'll find that the dog is very social, wagging the tail, walking around, hanging out, just enjoying all the people and the attention. And somebody walks in the front door on the other side of the house and that dog all of a sudden's energy just changes, just like goes into defense mode or kind of an aggressive mode and they start growling and they're just looking at that person. Maybe they've never seen that person in their lives. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, that's the way it is like at house parties, right? And everybody's like, oh, man, why, why is Fido acting all weird? And it's like because that dog sensed the energy that person has or is putting out and it sees that person as a threat or maybe that person is, you know, the thing about the, the fear, like your sweat, things like that. Dogs are good at picking up. I mean, if you hear this phrase about, you know, they can smell the fear on you. That's true. That's actually true. You know, your sweat actually smells differently when you're scared versus when you're exercising. And so dogs can pick up on a lot more things with their nose and and just energy that most people can't. So if you own a dog, you've probably seen your dog hyper react to people like out of the blue. Like, why is he acting like this? He never acts like this. Cause they have terrible energy. <laughs> That's right. When That's I right. got our puppy, she turns one in like two weeks. Her name is Ellie. She's a little Rottweiler. And I was like, Hey, most people are absolutely terrified of my dog. And I don't understand why, because she's like the biggest suck ever. And she's so lovely. And she'll just like literally try and kiss your face, but she'll jump on you to try and kiss your face. And people are like, oh my God, like I'm so scared of her. And I'm like, 
She just wants to love you. <laughs> She's lovely. And yet people don't see that. They see a threat or they see mm-hmm. her as big and scary because she's a 90-pound puppy, yeah. right? But once you get to know her, she's just like the happiest, most calm dog. I had a dog walker over yesterday. We did a big baking party at my house. And uh, they're like, she's so calm. She's so lovely. And I'm like, that's because we've taken the time out to train her properly. Yeah. And we taught her that she can't eat things. You know? And does she sometimes? Yeah, she chewed on some of my Christmas cards. And I had it's to re She's a baby. She's a puppy. Yeah. be patient with her, right? But we don't scold her. We just, instead of, okay, don't chew this, chew on this, right? It's replacing this with this. And then you understand so quickly that when she does get really defensive or scared or like, holy cow, she got attacked at the dog park the other day from another puppy. And it's because she's so submissive. Right. She's so calm and collected that this super assertive dogs literally go for her throat. Right. And I think that in business it's the same thing. Like people see you as, Oh, you're just this lovely. uh, And being a female, they're like, Oh, Elena. And I'm like, I'm going to take you down, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You better watch out. And I'm going to be smiling at the same time. (laughs) Right. And I'm going to be laying on my back going, oh, it's all good. Don't worry about it. And then I'm going to bite you. (laughs) You Tell your boss because you're not going to push me around. You're not going to bully me. You're not going to tell me that I'm going to fail because I'm going to use that as fuel for my fire. And I'm going to go out and still do the right thing every single time and still execute at a high level and still push myself to be better, Uh, which they're not I love it. I love it. That you're speaking my language, sister. Yeah, man. That's like, what if you want about. me to do something, say that I dare you, or I can't. Do, I bet you can't. You know, I was like, oh, well, I'll figure it out. Bring I'll it. figure it out. I'll That's figure right. it out. So, so here, here's the, here's the thing that I've always seen in my life. I always look at the challenges because there's always challenges to accomplish any goal. Mm. I see those challenges as like icing on the cake. Yeah, uh, I can explain on that. Uh, the recent example I shared on another show was. RTA Syndicate Live, St. Louis, that I, you know, I got to get on stage. Yeah. And I was really excited about getting on stage, you know, sharing a stage with Ed Milet and Andy Frizzell. That's, that's amazing. 1,500 people in the audience. And I am a speaker, so I'm, I'm okay speaking with a, a crowd. But it was just like the excitement of being at that event and being on a stage with two of my mentors. I didn't sleep that well that night. I, I was kind of going through my, my speech in my mind, and then I had the energy level. And I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep. And I ended up dozing off probably around 5 a.m. And I had to get up at 7 o'clock to go get ready to, for the morning event. And so I remember getting up in like 5 a.m. Or, or, or at 7, thinking like, man, I only slept like two hours. I feel like total crap. I'm like tired. I had bags under my eyes. And I was, and I was in the shower, and I was like, you know what? Fuck that. It's like, I, I'm still, I'm still going to get on that stage. And I'm going to give the best performance that I can possibly give to date on that stage. And then when I get off that stage, I'm going to say, and I did it with only two hours of sleep. Exactly. You see, I reframed it. So where most people would be like, well, I'm going to get up there and I'm just going to try to give my best. I didn't have much sleep and I'm just not prepared. And, you know, they get these negative things and they build themselves up for a loss based on the challenges, whatever that challenge is in your life, whatever the goals you are, there's challenges, but most people use those as an excuse to underperform. I use those as icing on the cake. Like I'm going to bake that fucking cake. I'm going to get up there and impact everybody in that room. I'm going to, my, my mindset going into that was I'm going to give the best speech of this weekend in three minutes. 
Because it's not like like most people like, oh, you're only you only got three minutes. Like I was like, that's another challenge. I'm still going with intent to give the very best speech on the stage. They're going against Andy Frizzella and Ed Milet and Jesse Itzler, three powerhouse speakers. That's still my mindset. Whether it happens or not, that's subjective. Some people say yes, some people say no, but that's my mindset. I'm going to get up there and give my best performance and I'm going to do it in three minutes and I did it without any sleep. See how I stacked those challenges to become icing on that cake? Exactly. So cherry on top, you're just sitting here going, regardless, Jocko says excuses are lies. And I literally have it posted like right there in my office to tell me excuses are lies. And the things that we're telling ourselves, it's all bullshit. It's just sitting here making yourself mediocre, where if you take it and you switch it and you say, hey, I didn't get very much sleep or I'm not meant to be successful or all these things are against me. Guess what? I'm going to just show you how it's done. Right. And you can just take it and run with it at that point. And then you build that confidence in yourself. And you were talking about being an introvert earlier. And I resonate with that. Like if I don't get my time with myself, but that's where you're checking in with yourself and you're saying, okay, well, I may not have got the best sleep last night, or I may not be at this point, but guess what? It's not about me. It's about the people who I'm going to impact. It's about the people that I'm talking to. And if one person in that room thinks that I'm awesome, I win. That's it. One person. That's the key. If one person's listening to the show and they, and they have some kind of a change or an aha moment and they figure something out or you impact them, that was what the show was for. It wasn't to impact hundreds or thousands of people. It was to impact that one person that's listening to this. Exactly. So what would you say the biggest tip that you could give someone is when it comes to switching their mindset so that they can make those excuses out to be their fire? I think it's really hard to do that. I think that I, I tend to be a stunt man by nature. Even as a kid, I wanted to be a stunt man, a fighter pilot, a race car driver. I'm a, and I'm a adrenaline junkie. So for me to get on the stage in front of a thousand plus people is another way to get an adrenaline hit and just like get out there and rock it. And I perform very well under pressure. I'm very, I'm very chill in person. But the thing is, is even at a high stress, high you know, risk type situation, I'm very calm. And I've always been that way. So I think I handle pressure and stress a lot better than most people, even though I don't e- externally show it, I can still internalize it. And, and, and I can feel that anxiety and stress, but I'm good at just keeping my mind about me. So I, it's a little different for me for the most people, but I would say that for most people to get their mindset to shift, they need to start keeping promises to themselves and not cut corners. It's really that, it's really that simple. If you can start to think about what is it that I need to do or achieve today, like on a small thing, granular level, whether that's like eating the right food for breakfast, let's start with one thing. Like if I can just skip that sugary cereal and not put all the sugar in my coffee, that's a win. Okay, let me do that. And don't cheat and do it. Then you go, okay, for lunch. What am I going to eat? I'm going to eat like this healthy salad with grilled chicken on it, or I'm going to get the triple cheeseburger with fries and a Coke. If you do that, and you just basically have these little habits that you create over time. And if you do this enough over time and over time, and over time, it starts to become a habit. You don't even think about it. It becomes cruise control. You don't do those things anymore. So you have to start keeping promises to yourself. If you tell yourself when you get up, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym after work today and five o'clock hits and you're like, well, it was a long day. I'm kind of tired. I think I'm, I think I'm just going to go home and, you know, I'll work out twice as hard tomorrow. That's bullshit. Call yourself out on it. Gain that awareness and go, no, I said, I was going to go to the gym. I'm going to fucking go to the gym. Cause here's the thing about working out and exercise. Never regret leaving the gym. 
Nope. Never regret leaving the gym. Even if you injure yourself, you never regret leaving the gym. So when you understand that, when you're thinking about, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like going. It's raining outside. It's, it's cold. Like, I, I don't feel like you, you have all the excuses in the world available to you for not doing something that you should be doing. But the thing is, is when you know, I never left the gym regretting going. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Like, I don't want to hear all these bitch excuses. I'm just going to go because I know when I leave, I'm be like, I'm glad I came. So I focus on the results rather than the bullshit excuses. So that's another way to hack your mind is to think about how am I going to feel after I accomplish this? How am I going to feel after I start that podcast? How am I going to feel after I write that book? How am I going to feel after I learn to be a public speaker and get training? How am I going to feel after I hire a business coach and they get me to the next level? How am I going to feel? after? I'm always thinking future forward. I'm always thinking about Tony one to three years from now. What is the future version of Tony going to look at today's version of Tony and go, man, what are you doing? That's fucking up. You're not going to get to where you want to be. You want to be me. You're not going to get there doing that. You better figure this out. Why are you doing this? Why are you skipping that workout? Why are you eating like shit? Why are you hanging around with those people? You're not going to be the future version of yourself. That's how the awareness works. I read a book from John C. Maxwell and he talked about writing your life sentence and it just blew my mind. I broke into tears and I was like, what is going to say on my gravestone? Mm. Like, what is it going to say at the end of my life? Is it going to say she was awesome and that's it? Or is it going to say she changed the world? You know what I mean? And I'm just like bawling my eyes out, just sitting here going, how can I make this type of impact? people i'm getting really teary-eyed right now just thinking everybody should go through this impact everybody should go through this everybody should do this i that's one of the things it sounds morbid but that is one of the most powerful powerful things that you'll ever go through is to sit down and write your eulogy or your obituary and the thing is is like and i want you to if you're listening to this like like take this seriously like this is an exercise i work with my coaching clients i'll tell them Take out a piece of paper and a pencil, or actually a pen, because I don't want them to erase it. So I say a pencil, don't type this. It has to be real personal. When you write it out with your hands, for some reason, it's a lot more personal than typing it out. So blank paper, pen, write it out. If you were to die today, how would you be remembered? If you were to read, if you would want a eulogy written about you or read by, by one of your loved ones at your funeral tomorrow, what would it say? And you start to writing and you go, wow, I was really fucking shallow. Like I'm not having impacted anybody. And, there, and there's a lot of people out there. Here's man, this is a good one. It's going to burn some people, but they need to hear it. A lot of people, when you ask them what their purpose is, they go, oh, just to provide for my family. You know what that is? That's a good thing, but it's a bullshit excuse that limits your potential. And what it is, is when you hang around with a bunch of other average fucks, that's the purpose that everybody volleys back and forth. Like, oh, I'm just here to provide for my family. Oh, I'm just want to do things for my family. I just, you know what? Everybody says that. That's not special. That's not standing out. That's not doing, that's not living your potential. If your potential is only to live to support your family, hey, you know what? You're just like millions and billions of other people doing the same thing. You're not doing anything extra. So don't wear that as a badge of honor because when you hang around with a bunch of average people and they say that to each other, that's kind of like, oh, well, I don't cross that line. Like, oh, okay, cool, me too. But if you say, no, I want to impact millions of people with the experience and knowledge and the energy that I can bring, and you say it with conviction and you go do things to start, start taking those steps to do that, guess what? You're going to be impacting hundreds of people. And then you'll impact thousands of people. And then you will impact millions of people. And every single one of you listening has the a prop, 
probability to do that if you want to do that. It's in your potential. There's no bullshit excuse. Like, you think anybody's out there impacting millions of people thought that they were going to someday impact millions of people? No, they just set it in their mind that they wanted to, and they started taking actions. And nowadays, it's never been easier. We got podcasts. We got YouTube. We got all the distribution channels to get your message out there, self-publishing on Amazon. All of them are available, and they're very inexpensive, almost free sometimes. So you really have no excuses other than your own potential and your own actions. Exactly. Well, and you have to allow the compound effect to happen. So you impact one person and that one person is now going to affect their entire network, right? But it might take five years and people are all focused on this instant gratification shit. And they're like, Oh, you're not a millionaire yet, Elena. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'm still going to do everything in my power to go and help these people. Mm -hmm. I'm a financial advisor. I'm watching people around me lose 20, 30, 40, 50, 75 pounds because they're watching what I'm doing and they're implementing the things that I'm doing just by watching. And then they're like, your life. It changed their life. And now I'm impacting their businesses and their families and they're happier in their marriages and their kids are doing better in school and their waistline is smaller just because I helped them. Right. I had a client the other day and I saved her like 1600 bucks a month because her bankers didn't tell her she had insurance on all of the products and she's on disability. And they're like, Oh, good thing. You have a good financial advisor. I'm like, you guys should have called her, you know, imagine the impact that I just made on that person's life. Right. Do you think I'm going to have evangelistic clients that are sitting here going, you did the right thing because I took the time out where I haven't made any money off that client at all. I don't care because now I know I did the right thing. I know that every single thing that I'm doing in my business is going to lead up to the fact that 10 years from now, that person's going to probably send me 500 clients. There you go. You never know. You never know. If you just live, if you just live your life trying to help other people and share information and, and encourage them to do what they can and see the potential within them that they don't even see themselves the fruits of that labor come over time. I'll tell you, I I get random emails from 20 years ago (laughs) that I gave somebody advice on business or education or mentorship or career advice. And, and they, they reach out to me 20 years later and it's crazy. And you're like, man, I've been following you. And I just wanted to know that advice you gave me when I was 16, like, like led me here and then here and then here. And then here's where I am. And you're like, Whoa, this is crazy. So powerful. That's the power of the internet, you know, and that's the kind of messages that I do this for. Yeah. If I I know that I changed somebody's life, that's why I do this. Where can people get access to your content? The best way to reach me is on my website, 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. And you'll find links to my book and my podcast and everything there. So since we're on a podcast, listeners, the show is called 365 Driven. Imagine that. So look it up. You know, if if you have any comments or feedback for me being on this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much. I took so much out of that and I'm like fired up right now to go and take on the day. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast, Tony. And uh, I look forward to listening to more of your podcast and growing the Arte movement with you as well. Thank you for having me.